Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Janet is here with me, so I welcome Janet. She's come to see that I keep on the straight and narrow. That's her calling in life. I was um, praying a lot about what I should um, speak about today. And thank you, Suzanne, for your welcome. Yes. Um, And I was really... First of all, thinking very much, because I'm going to preach this afternoon at our church on God and Israel, but I don't feel that's the way to go. So um, you have to forgive me for that. And um, I want to read to you just a few verses from Psalm 27. Beginning probably about verse 8. Then my head will be exalted... Above the enemies who surround me, at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I want to speak for a while on what I've called the steps to personal renewal or the pathway to personal renewal. As you are well aware, and I don't really need to tell you, we live in absolutely strange days, strange times. For those of us who are older like me, it's, we, we're just a puzzle that what's become of our nation and what's happening in our nation with so many things. And I've, I believe, and I believe with all my heart, that without any doubt, we need spiritual revival in this nation We need a real move of the Holy Spirit right through this land. And it needs to start in the church. And if it's going to start in the church, it needs to start with us individually. It needs to start with me. And uh, in talking about the pathway to personal renewal, Janet and I have had a, a, a strange experience in the last few weeks. We were challenged, not particularly nicely, but we were challenged to go and hear a man who was visiting in late August, Todd Smith, from the North Georgia Revival in Dawsonville in Georgia. And we knew very little about this. Um, It just hadn't come across my radar. I look at things that are happening in the States. I look at revival uh, services and revival reports and that, but I I knew very little about this. But I was challenged and um, when he came, he was here on the Saturday and Sunday and the Monday. Has any heard of the North Georgia Revival? Yeah. Right? Most of, well, you're going to hear something you've never heard before today. So uh, we went on the Saturday and heard him speak. And uh, we, the, I'll say a little bit more about why I was sceptical about, well, not so much sceptical, but questioning some things. And a little later on. So we went on the Saturday and he answered most of my questions and then many people were baptised. 
the Sunday, of course, we didn't go. On the Monday, we went to hear him speak to a pastors and leaders meeting. There wasn't a big crowd, about 40 people. And I've been told since there are only three pastors there. So it was hardly a huge pastors meeting. And um, <clears throat> he spoke on what he feels the Lord has laid very strongly on his heart. And the first part of his message was that his challenge to us was to seek the Lord personally to ask for an experience of the glory of God in our midst, in our churches, and to pray to the Lord, search my heart, O Lord. That was the essence of his message. He went on to say other things. Janet wrote some brilliant notes, so I didn't have to take notes. We, we had a time of talking with him, and then we've connected with him. So we listen to him, and we do a Zoom a session with him once a month, and we're very, we feel very privileged to be able to connect with him and to hear what he's saying. But those three things that he said, seek his face, pray for an experience of the glory of the Lord and ask the Lord to search our hearts are the three things I want to share with you first of all this morning. And we read from, <clears throat> I'm not that good on doing the phone stuff, but um, <clears throat> from Psalm 27 where my heart says of you, seek his face, your face Lord I will seek. And so the focus now in our lives, and Janet and I together in this, has been to start off spending time just putting aside many other things and seeking the face of the Lord, whatever that means. Not so much seeking his hand for his blessing, which we do, and I'm not against the blessing of God, but seeking his face, seeking to know him in, in a deeper way, deeper than we've ever known in our whole lives. And so in Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Paul says that I may know him. And it's a strange thing for Paul to say. Paul spoke that in the latter part of his life. He was actually in prison in Rome and writing to the church at Philippi. And there he is in prison in Rome, not knowing what was going to happen to himself. Really, he, the, the pronouncement of Caesar may have been you're finished, Paul. We'll execute you. He did not know what was coming. But in that situation, he prays that I may know him. Now, the word in the Greek New Testament that he uses for know is yinosko. And yinosko means to know in personal experience, to know in personal relationship. Paul's the greatest theologian the Christian church has ever had. Every theologian reflects on Paul and interacts with Paul, whether they like him or not. They have to. He's Christianity's great theologian, but he says at this point in his life that I may know him. And I believe in seeking his face, that's what we're doing. We're seeking to know the Lord deeper, deeper than we've ever known him. And if we're going to enter into an experience of renewal and revival, it will be knowing the Lord. It will be knowing him personally. You know, many people come to church they don't really know God. There'll be a lot of people in church all over this city today and they'll be there because they uh, perhaps like the style, if it's charismatic or Pentecostal or if it's more liturgical or whatever. They will like that and they won't want it changed in any way. They'll want their style. They won't be so much in love with Jesus and excited about the Lord Jesus, but that's the heart of it. To know Jesus. And, and when Jesus spoke to the churches in Revelation, in, uh, <clears throat> in, in chapter 2, the first church he speaks to is the church at Ephesus. 
And Ephesus was a major city in those days. It, was, it had one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, and that ruled the city. And, and Paul says to... Uh, sorry, I get Paul doing everything in the New Testament, which is appalling, I know. But anyway... <clears throat> Thank you very much. That's not even a dad joke, is it, really? Is it? My grandchildren are not impressed with my jokes these days. You know. I was driving them home one day recently and uh, they, they said something and <clears throat> they said, I don't know. And I said, oh, pleased to meet you, I don't know. And then they came back, Dad says that all the time. We don't want you saying that to us. <laughs> so I got, got the message on that one. But anyway, <clears throat> Paul, sorry, Jesus. He, <laughs> sorry about that. He says to the church at Ephesus, you've held the faith, you've been faithful, you've worked hard, but I have one thing against you. You've lost your first love. What a thing for Jesus to say. You've lost your first love. You're not in love with me anymore in the way you used to be. Which I means you're not excited about me. What a, what a challenge. How would we go if Jesus stood here and faced us up and said to us, you've lost your first love. Are we in love with the Lord Jesus? If we're not in a love relationship with the Lord Jesus, Christianity's dull and boring. It's a ritual. We might like a few of the songs. Some are good, some are not so good. I like that one, I don't know about that one, but that's how it goes. Seek his face. As we enter into a time of seeking his face, of focusing on that, and that's what Janet and I are doing at the moment, you find a refreshing and a renewal. And then the second thing is, I hope I can get it up. I'm lousy on getting these things up on my phone, so you'll have to forgive me. We're going to go to Psalm... 24, and I hope I'll get the right verses. Psalm 24, in verse 8, Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Now this psalm is set in the, set, in the situation where David had conquered the Philistines and brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Some of you may remember that. It was a settled, definite process he had to go through. And he's bringing it back and he gets to the, the gates of Jerusalem, the city, the gates of the city. And this is what they're saying, you know, open the gates and let the King of glory come in. Because the Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of God's presence among them. And so now... I'm saying to you that we need to open our hearts, the gates of our lives, and ask the King of glory to come in, to experience his glory. Not just to talk about it, because you see, the glory of God is the presence and power of God manifest among us. And when that happens, everything is completely different. In 1801 in the United States, in, the, in Kentucky, the Kentucky region of the USA, there was an event that historians call America's Pentecost. Largely Presbyterian and Methodist ministers had gathered for a camp meeting. That's where the American-style revival meeting came from. 
Hundreds of people came because they'd heard that God was doing something in a little Presbyterian church. But now there were hundreds gathered out there in the open air and the preachers began to preach. The first day it was good. But the second day something amazing happened. God's glory was manifested among those people. And suddenly, as the Spirit of God swept in, hundreds of people fell down under the power of God. They said it was like a battlefield with the slain lying there. And then people were jerking, people were shaking. And then the, the, the women with their long hair, their necks began to crack like this. And they said the sound of their hair shaking was like the crack of a whip. The glory of God, when it's manifested, everything changes. Everything's different. This was called America's Pentecost. The revival swept. America's church attendance in that time was way down. But the Baptists and the Methodists were greatly impacted and their churches grew and spread dramatically. When the glory of God comes, everything changes. That's why we say, open the gates and let the King of glory come in. In our lives. In our lives, will we let the King of glory come in? Then I want to go to <clears throat> Psalm 139. <clears throat> the last bit of Psalm 139. We don't, I was nearly going to be naughty and criticise people for not bringing their Bibles, but <laughs> I haven't got mine. I've got a, <laughs> so I thought I would better drop that one. <clears throat> it's um, somewhere along here it is. It's here on this. Smartphone. It needs to be smarter than this, I think, because it's, it's dealing with me. Anyway, here it is, Psalm 139. You know, it's the great psalm about we can never go anywhere from God's presence. That wherever we go, God is present there. And then the last two verses of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, they say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So here's Janet and I. We're praying, seek his face, experience his glory, and now this bit, search my heart. Now, this has been tough because as I go alone, as we do it together and we talk, and fortunately, my heart's pretty good, but I've had to help Janet search her own heart quite a bit. <laughs> You know it's the other way around, but anyway. <laughs> so as I go, go alone, what the Lord has begun to put on my, on my heart is the, the amount of unforgiveness I've had in my heart. And that's really shocked me. I don't think it's anybody here. I'll just have a, have a bit of a look. <laughs> no, not really. <clears throat> so one of the things that I can tell you about that during the... Um, you know, the COVID period when we all had to be vaccinated and wear masks and all that sort of stuff. I, um, I, I was helping Janet one day in the garden, which I rarely do, but this particular day I was, and our dog, who is very important to me, was howling inside because he couldn't see me. See, our dog gets all upset if he can't see me. Most people get upset if they can see me, but the dog gets upset if he can't see me. And um, so I rushed to sort of calm him, slipped and fell, hit a rose bush, and I got this thorn in my heart. So I went to the chemist about my, because my brother told me, if you put some stuff on there, it'll draw it out. Well, it wasn't working. The chemist said, oh, well, you'll have to go and see your doctor. I said, oh, my doctor won't see me. I'm not vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you're not. I don't care about that. This is my story. And... Um, <clears throat> 
So I said, oh, well, that's okay. He said, on Monday, you won't be able to come in here either. Because if, if you're not vaccinated, you'll have to stand out there and we'll serve you out there. And I didn't say it to him. I thought, Cobber, you're joking. You think I'll be coming back here to get, give you my money? I didn't say that to him. Very sweet, very nice. Quite Christian, actually. I was very proud of myself. When I went home, how nice I was. I could have throttled him, but I didn't say that. So I tell this to Janet and time goes on and Janet says, have you forgiven that pharmacist yet? I said, I'm not going there. So I had to go one day to see our doctor and uh, our doctor's um, place is right next to where the pharmacy is now. And she said, oh, look, when you, after you've seen the doctor, will you go in there and get such and such from me? I said, no, I am not darkening the door of that place. I'll go over to Colonnades and I'll get it for you, but I'm not going in there. So <clears throat> that's okay. And when I came back, I said, to, I, I said, Janet, you know, he's renamed his pharmacy. He's now called it Jerk Pharmacy. She wasn't the least bit impressed. As I can see, most of you are not impressed either. So the Lord says to me, what about that pharmacist? So that was one thing I had to deal with. I'm not going to tell you the others because you'll start to think, why are we even hearing this bloke talk? <laughs> Searching the heart is pretty tough because the Lord has been going deeper and deeper and dealing with things, in, things I've, always, I've forgotten about totally. But if you're prepared to seek his face, ask for an experience of his glory, you know, as I've been doing this day after day, I'm experiencing the presence of the Lord every day in a way that I haven't for years. It's wonderful. And then I'm experiencing the search light of God on my heart, which is very challenging about every attitude, particularly my bad attitude towards the politicians. Now, you wouldn't be like me, but I'm not the least bit impressed with them, particularly our current lot who call themselves a federal government. And I'm, I'm really, really being challenged. The Lord said to me the other day about this, spoke to me about it. Search the heart. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to go alone and be with the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. This is what David's praying. See if there be any wicked way in me. That's pretty challenging. So I believe they're the three steps to renewal, personal renewal. And that's what Janet and I have been doing. But with that, there's another thing that I have to share with you. It's this. You have to avoid the stigma. Uh, R.T. Kendall speaks, if you've read any of R.T. Kendall, if you listen to him, former minister at Westminster Chapel, you'll know that he speaks about the stigma of the Holy Spirit. That there is, when we give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit, we allow him to fill us and, and move through us. There's often a stigma associated with it. And he uses, it's a Greek word, but he uses it to mean something that's embarrassing or offensive. And he says that in Christianity, there's a stigma today. There's a stigma about what we believe about genders, male and female, about marriage, about the uniqueness of Jesus. This offends people today. It, it, it can mean that we're embarrassed about it if we stand up for it. But I found that in my life there were a number of stigmas as I sought the Lord. Years ago, <clears throat> when I was the pastor here, and um, 
I'd entered into a fairly barren period of, of my life. But I heard through a dear friend, the late Jim Hilton. Some of you will know of Jim. He died uh, earlier this year. But um, I related to Jim. Jim preached in this church. Does anyone remember Jim Hilton coming here? A few of you. Anyway, Jim sent me an email. He said, Barry, revival has broken out in Toronto. You probably know all about it. Well, I didn't know all about it. But I began to research it, began to listen, began to watch videos. And I found that God was doing amazing things in this church, the airport church in Toronto, right near the airport in uh, the city of Toronto. And, uh, but, um, but with all the amazing things and the renewal, millions of people were impacted by this. This is going way, way back in, in um, really probably about 1994. So it's a while ago. I was talking to a young lady about this the other day. She said, I wasn't even born then. <laughs> I thought, ah, oh, right. <laughs> Get up to date, Barry. Anyway, so millions of people were impacted by it. But with it were these unusual manifestations. People falling down, people laughing, people crying, totally even roaring. And I remember that happening one Sunday morning here in this church. A person stood back there and they'd been prayed for and they roared and everyone went dead silent. I don't know if any of you here remember it. But anyway, these things were happening. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I want this blessing. I know I need a new experience of the Holy Spirit. I want that, but I don't want to be made to look foolish. I don't want the stigma. Well, the Lord said, you don't set the conditions. I do. And what happened was, in the end, not only was I filled afresh with the Holy Spirit in a wonderful way, but those manifestations happened to me. Then, prior to that, I'd been, back in 1976, I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I said to the Lord, I didn't want to speak in tongues. You see, because in those days, back in the 70s, speaking in tongues, it was all of the devil. If you spoke in tongues, you know, you were a Satanist. That's how a lot of evangelical Baptist Christians regarded. Remember, I was ordained a Baptist minister. And I, I never left the Baptists. They left me. I never resigned as a Baptist minister. They resigned me. That's another story. And I've forgiven them, I think. <laughs> Don't search my heart on that one, Lord. But anyway. But anyway, so here's me and, and we, we, we met with Betty Crouch. Some of you may know her. She was a wonderful lady, a wonderful Baptist missionary in PNG. She'd been in revival in the 70s in PNG, impacted by the Holy Spirit, came back to South Australia, shared it with people. I don't know whether people understood it, but we invited her to our home. And um, Janet and I, we talked with her and she prayed for her. And when she prayed for us, Janet spoke in tongues. I didn't. But I was glad. I thought, well, there's someone I know and love who speaks in tongues. It must be okay. But I didn't speak in tongues. And I was a little bit proud of that fact. I've been blessed by the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. And I would tell people that. We had um, some things happening in the church where I was the pastor back then. And uh, <clears throat> what happened was a, la a lady visited and she liked our service. She went back and to our home church. Later I met her and she said, oh, we love the service we were at you know, the other day. She said, when I went back to my church, people said, well, we missed you last Sunday. She said, yeah, we went to such and such a church. And they said, uh, did anything silly happen there? Meaning, you know, did anyone speak in tongues? So it had a real stigma. 
And for me, I was glad that I didn't speak in tongues. But the Lord had to take me past that until one day I did receive the gift. So I've dealt with these stigmas. So now it comes along. Here we are in August of this year. And we're hearing about this North Georgia revival. In 2018, Todd Smith is the pastor of this church in Dawsonville, Georgia. He has a Southern Baptist background. I've met him, we've talked to him, we share many things in common. And he said he'd had enough. He'd given up. He was going to resign his church and leave. He said because if they added 40 people to the church, 42 left. So his church wasn't growing. But anyway, he and his wife entered into, I think, a 21 day. It was, what, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And 15 days into that, he went into the church sanctuary and he looked at the baptistry, which was empty. And as he looked at it, he said, suddenly he saw this vision of it full of water and flames of fire all on the top of it. And the Lord said to him, I'm going to baptise people with the Holy Spirit and fire. He didn't know what that meant. Had no idea what it meant. In fact, he was still miserable, still uh, you know, down in the mouth. And he was still going to resign his church. But fortunately, he didn't. A few weeks went by and they were baptising some people. And a lady with, um, was it eczema all over her body? Ex eczema all over her body. Very visible on her arms, legs, everywhere. They put her under the water. When she came out, she was totally clear. There was no eczema. Gone. And he realised that's what the Lord meant. I'm going to baptise the people with Holy Spirit and fire. So for five years or more now, they have this revival service on a Sunday night. Over 30,000 people have visited this small rural town of 3,000 people and more than 1,000 documented dramatic healings, medically verified, including stage 4 cancer, deafness, blindness, you name it, as people encountered Jesus in the water. So I'm hearing all this and I thought, I do have my basic Baptist theology, you know. We, we baptise believers and that's it. I thought all this repeated baptism, it just, I wasn't rejecting it. I just didn't get it. It was a stigma for me. And as I listened to him speak on that Saturday, August the 26th here in Adelaide, and shared the testimonies, I realised God was doing something that was beyond my approval. And so we've gone with him, we... we Speak to him and we learn from him. And I want to ask you this. What offends you about the Holy Spirit? You want revival? Our nation desperately needs it. We're cactus. Well, that was encouraging to, for the vote yesterday. That's probably a political comment. Some will like it, some won't. But you won't have me here next week, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but... Does the Holy Spirit offend you if people start falling, laughing, crying, roaring, whatever? I don't know. It did initially me. But the Lord says, you know, I will do my work my way. And we don't set the conditions, but many Christians do. We have our set things, don't we? You know, the Anglicans have their altars. The Baptists have their baths. The Charismatics have their choruses. The Evangelicals, their exegesis. The Lutherans, their liturgy. 
The Catholics, they're confessional, you know, and it's got to be according to their tradition. People will say, this has never happened in our church before, but God, we need a lot of things to happen in our churches that have never happened before. So, are you prepared to take the steps for personal renewal? Are you prepared to seek his face, to ask for an experience of his glory, to say, Lord, search my heart? And are you prepared to not let anything the Holy Spirit does offend you? Every one of us at different times. I know some of you here, you've been offended. I've been offended by the things the Holy Spirit does. To say, Lord, you do your work your way. Lord Jesus, I pray in your wonderful, precious name that you will stir our hearts afresh to seek your face, to not back away, to, to yes, Lord, to be prepared to go through the hard hard slog of allowing you to search our hearts, to show us the stuff that's built up there, the bitterness, the anger, all the things that shouldn't be there. We're prepared to deal with that. And Lord, that we won't be offended by anything you do. We'll say, Jesus, your Lord, you have your way. Pour out your spirit on me. Let revival begin with me, I pray. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to just prophesy over some... That's oh, good, we've got light. <laughs> you be a good boy, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> I read in the Bible, God is light. Look, I don't know you, sir. I don't, do we know each other? Have we ever met? No. So you're obviously looking at me with love, loving, warm glow a moment ago and the Lord brought me to you. So <clears throat> I want to say this to you, that... You're a man, a strong man, and a man who has walked with God over many years, but it's been up and down. It's almost like you're on a roller coaster. You've had your good moments and you've had your bad moments. But recently, the Lord's shaken you up a bit and challenged you, and you know that it's time to really get serious because there are important things happening in your life, and you know it's time to get serious with the Lord. And you've been starting to do that, I hope, what I've shared with you today will help you in that because the Lord has some wonderful plans for you, sir. He has some wonderful plans for you. Some of the things that have weighed you down and have messed you up, he's going to take from you. He's going to bring you into a new place of freedom and joy and you are going to be quite a strong witness for the Lord Jesus. How does that sound? Sounds great. Bless you. Way back over there, that lady over there. I won't ask you her name, I'll just say, again, I don't know you, we've never met, have we? No. I want to say to you that um, the Lord's word to you is forget the former things. Don't look back on the past. It's been hard. It's been hard in many areas. Relationships have disappointed you. There have been struggles. You've been weighed down. But the Lord is saying, move on now because... For you, there's a time of fruitfulness and joy coming. If you'll trust in me, if you'll rely on me, if you'll let those things that have weighed you down go, let them go, choose to let them go, you will find not only freedom and joy, but you'll find this. deep in your heart, you've been asking, Lord, why don't I experience this? Why doesn't that happen to me? 
and it'll begin to happen to you. And it'll begin to happen to you at home, not in church. The Lord will begin to meet you. You'll begin to experience his presence. You'll begin to know his reality in a way you've never known. And he's going to take you to a good place. How's that? Do you want to say anything, Rob? No. <laughs> It's a bit like going to the dentist, isn't it? <laughs> you think, who's he going to pick on next? I hate going to the dentist too. But uh, there's a happy, smiley face there. Again, I don't, do I know you? Have we met? We have. Tell me. Oh, right, yes. Uh -huh. not, not in the near future because we've got so much on our plate. Glenn, yes. Glenn, I thought you had a happy, smiley face. That was good. Um, I think the Lord wants to encourage you strongly. I think that um, you're faithful, you're determined, you've, uh, you've sought the Lord and you trust him and you rely on him and you've been patient, but you're saying, Lord, when's it going to change? When there's going to be that breakthrough we long for? When's, when, when are things going to really open up, Lord? I've sought you, I ask you, I cry out to you. And I believe the Lord loves your persistence and your faithfulness. And I believe that he's heard your cries. He knows what you're asking for. And things are going to begin to change, not dramatically at first. You'll just see a change in the atmosphere. You'll just see things that were hard are going to be easier. And the Lord's going to begin to give you faith, new faith, deeper faith, to pray for people and to see people blessed and to see breakthroughs. The Lord's going to give you faith for that. You've hesitated in stepping out. At times you thought perhaps that's for others, but it's time. It's for you, Glenn. It's time for you to step out and begin to pray and to begin to share the words the Lord gives in your heart. You'll be thinking, well, is this right? Is this really God? It is. And it'll bless people. How does all that sound? Sounds great. We don't know each other, do we? No. School at times is a challenge for you, but you are a determined young lady and you try hard, but you've had your discouragements. As you trust in the Lord, which I believe you do, you're going to find some of the things that are hard are going to change over the remainder of this year. It's going to get different. Some of the things that have been hard are going to get easier and you're going to see a real change in your performance. It's not because you've been slack. It's not anything like that. It's just that it's been a little bit of a slog. But it's going to change. God is going to give you wisdom and insight and understanding. And it's going to be good. And at the end of the year, you're going to be very pleased with what's going to happen. Bless you. Michael. Even though I remember Michael when he was a little boy, when I was here. So uh, I've known him in the past, but I have no idea about him today and what's happening in his life today. But I can say this, Michael, the sense from the Lord is that um, you have become a very faithful follower of Jesus. And your mind is very much fixed on honouring him and seeking his will for your life. 
But there's some uncertainty into your life as to what are the steps to take in the future. I think there's some uncertainty about even about your vocation as to whether you continue with that or make a change. You're also a little uncertain as to how you experience more of God. What people talk about, you hear it and you think, oh, that all sounds great, but what about me? I want to say to you, Michael, that the Lord knows you. He knows your heart. He'll guide you as to the vocation, what's right. He'll give you peace in your heart about that so you won't have to struggle. But a day is coming very soon where he is going to give you a new, deeper experience of himself. You're going to begin, actually, to see visions. And this will surprise you because you haven't thought much about this. And you'll begin to have a sense that the Lord is speaking to you, that the Lord is encouraging you, that he's guiding you, and it'll, it'll just revolutionise your life. Can I pray for you? Can you just come here? I'll pray for you. Father, I bless Michael. I bless this word to his heart. I bless him now in your mighty name, Lord Jesus, that he will experience your blessing in a mighty way, Lord. In a mighty way, it'll come. It'll come, Lord. Refresh him. Let the fire of God come upon him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Fill him up. Fill him up, Lord. Let him be, have that ability to see those visions, to hear what you're saying to him. And out of his inmost being, let rivers of living water flow. Rivers of living water. Let them flow, Lord. Let them flow. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.